Trials and tribulations, life can get rough. And through the storm, we'll make it. Just put your trust in Him. No matter what you're going through, I know that I'll never leave you. You feel that you can't take no more. You may think you've seen it all. Welcome to another episode of the Get Happy with Jay podcast. Today I have returning guests with me, Jeannie Anders, and we have been so pumped and been talking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks. Finally, we are able to talk about season three of The Handmaid's Tale. And um, just to give you a moment of honesty about what can happen sometimes when you're podcasting, she and I and our other uh, comrade in arms, I guess, our other lover of the show Handmaid's Tale that's been with us before when we reviewed it, Shannon Erdman, who may be joining us during this episode, by the way, we recorded a great episode several months ago prior to season three beginning where we reviewed season two and I'll be darned if the thing did not record. So, <laughs> and it was such an awesome show. And we had so many thoughtful and wonderful and insightful things to say about season two. So that was like a total bummer. So we said we'd wait until season three concluded and we'd kind of review both. So Jeannie, welcome back once again to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure having you. And let's begin, because like I said, we'll kind of go over season two as well, since we didn't, we lost our moment. What was your overall impression of season two? Because I think I still have lots to say about season two. So we'll begin there and then we'll lead into the current season that just wrapped. I felt like season two, I liked it. I, when I was watching it the whole time, I kept thinking, I'm not really sure... I really like it, but then when I went back to see it again, there were some really, really good things that stood out, but I definitely felt like season two flip-flopped back and forth, but that makes sense because season one followed the book, season two picked up doing kind of what it wanted to do on its own. Which was interesting because after we reviewed season one, we were really, you know, kind of anticipating and, and like wondering what season two would be like, because like you said, season one followed the book almost to the letter. And so we knew that season two was going to be this brand new experience. And we wondered um, how much Margaret Atwood, who wrote the original novel Handmaid's Tale, how much input mm -hmm. she had in season two and even now in season three. And I kind of still wonder about that. But to me, if I had to use like one word to describe season two, for me, it was traumatic. Very there traumatic. were so many episodes that were just so dark and so just harrowing mm -hmm. that it almost lost me. It, it was traumatic. And there were so many episodes that left were like their own cliffhanger where I felt like in the first season, 
um, when you watched an episode, it kind of ended, and you were thinking, oh, okay, so that's the way it goes, and here goes the next one. Second episode, so many different cliffhangers, and so many different plots that were going on at the same time. Another thing that I thought about season two is very dark. I mean, there's no way that we cannot say that season one was dark, but this one was extremely dark. A lot of brutality, a lot of oppression. So much death. Yeah, and a lot of death. A lot of blood. Yeah. Yeah, that was also a bloody season. And the episode, I think, that sticks out to me more than any other in season two was the episode where all the handmaids were rounded up and they were taken to that ball field and there was that huge gallows and uh, there were nooses put around all their necks and they literally felt like and they thought that they were being led to their death. Mm -hmm. And there were so many things about that scene that just brought back images of Nazi Germany. Like when they were in the bus, I think it was a bus or it could have even been a train that, that transported them to, um, to that ball field and they were going through that tunnel. It just reminded me of the trains that transported the Jews to um, the concentration camps and, and, and some of the trains even had gas in them and some of them, yeah. they, they gassed. Um, the Jewish people. So it was so reminiscent of that. And that was, I think that was probably the darkest episode of the whole season. Oh, I agree. And and I also think also to the darkest episode of season three, I actually went back and watched it again and, and just re-experienced the same feeling, just the sadness. But I said the same thing too, as soon as I was done with that. And I thought, even if you are not a fan of The Handmaid's Tale, even if you um, are, are not keeping up of it, that should be one scene that you should watch. Because Absolutely. I, I said the exact same thing. We are literally rewatching history. Yes. The only difference is, is that it's just all women, and that is the only difference. Mm-hmm. The way that they were marching people down, uh, pushing people, absolutely no conversation whatsoever. No. Um, it was dehumanizing, yes. which is the whole point. Right, right. Yeah. The dogs that were around, actually the dogs had more life to them than the actual guards. Mm-hmm. Um, and the breathing, and also to um, the women, the poor women standing there. and But what was so awful about it is that it was chosen as you were being punished mm-hmm. for doing something that I didn't say that you had done. And, of course, we can get into this. We could do a whole other 50-hour podcast on this. But once again, let's rule by fear. Yes. Let's rule by uncertainty. Yeah, and I don't think there's any other way to dehumanize someone um, than to rule by that. Mm-hmm. It's much different to me to say this is what's going to happen, and you know what's going to happen, even though it's horrible. Yeah, than to do something like that. So there's no doubt about it. That was an absolute um, uh, thought of we are you are watching what happened. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing too is your body's not your own, mm-hmm. your property. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a whole big theme of Handmaid's Tale. Like, you have absolutely no control over anything that happens in your life. Another uh, real dark aspect of season two, and this one was this one was almost as bad as the gallo scene, we got our first look at the colonies mm-hmm. in season two. Yes. And that was horrible to see all these women out there cleaning up radioactive waste— unprotected 
seeing them literally drop dead, um, exposed, of course, to all that radiation, their skin's peeling, their teeth are falling out, you know, their hair. That was also a very dark part of season two. Yes, and I was looking forward to it because reading about it in the novel, you know, you can kind of picture it, but this was excellent the way that they portrayed it. But once again, like the, the dehumanization, um, the animals could have, the horses could have the mask on them. The guards could have the mask on them. Yes. So. Yeah, everyone had protective masks except for these women. And some of them were handmaids that, you know, for whatever reason were sent to the colonies. And the vast number of them were like older women probably women that would have been Martha's that could do housework that were no longer fertile. That, that was the, the main makeup of these women. Um, and there was even that one uh, wife that, yes. that ended up in yes. the colonies as well. Yes. Yeah. So that, that was horrible. It, it was. And it, of course it was a very, very dark scene, but if I remember uh, falling through the air, uh, um, there were white, white flecks falling through the yeah air. the fall continued fallout from you know whatever nuclear attack bombing that had happened and i'm not really sure and i and i am looking forward to season four for this but i'm not really sure unless i completely missed this jatan what were they doing in the colonies a lot of digging so number one are you digging things up or are you burying things are you digging your own grave because you are going to fall and die so what, and I guess in season four that they will get to me, that, I got the, exactly? I got the impression that they were trying to clean up the layers of contaminated soil because okay. you saw them digging and picking at the soil and then it was being bagged up. Mm -hmm. So I think they were trying to get that, that top layer of soil that okay. was contaminated by the nuclear fallout to clean that up to, to, to kind of scrape that away yeah yeah they, i think they were that. like scraping off that bad topsoil mm -hmm. to maybe try to get to the bottom which makes no sense to me because there's only so much topsoil period that mm -hmm. that's good that you can grow things on so i really don't un completely understand the why behind that i, I don't either and I, i'm still looking very forward to which i hate to kind of jump ahead but i'm still looking very forward to what exactly happened exactly happened that split the societies that what was the fallout what was the nuclear fallout and i think that was season three and i think with season three that we did learn it really was only five to seven years ago yes yeah i think even specifically they said five years so that was interesting to know because you i kind of was questioning how long this had been going on so to know that it was five years, and I think that's really important when you look at season three, which, you know, the big culmination of it was getting um, the children, mm -hmm. at least some of the children, out of Gilead. And to know that, and we're both like jumping way ahead, but that's okay. But five years to our life as adults is completely different than five years to a child and just how indoctrinated mm -hmm you can become especially as an impressionable child 
in that five years. And we saw a little bit of that in season two with what was the girl's name that ended up getting drowned with her would-be lover that had been in the Waterford house? Yes. Uh, it's in my notes. Yeah, yeah, she was married to Nick, and then she ended I up. Like, I feel like her name is Emily, but I don't think they had two Emilys. No, it wasn't. But she, you're right, Jatan. She was very young. She was very young, and she wavered, you know, back and forth. You know, it didn't take her long. Um, so then apparently then it didn't take her parents long either to get on board and drink the Kool-Aid of that, to yeah. instill that in their daughter. But also... She also, even though she was indoctrinated into it so much, if you think about it, she really took a lot of risks of, you know, being with the guard and sleeping with the guard and deciding to stay with the guard. So she was also a little bit on the Eden. Her name was Eden. Eden. I I was just thumbing through my notes. Eden. Uh, So she was definitely, her parents had to have been because her father was the one that turned her in. Yeah. Which that is a whole nother thing which we can get to too, which was but, the absolute turning point. But I don't you but don't you think that in some way he felt like if he didn't, there was a chance that the whole entire family could have been on the wall, meaning hung or any other the horrible ways that they have to kill people. And let me tell you, they have some horrible ways that they kill people. They they hang them, and they've been alluding in season three, and I wonder if we'll see it in season four, where with certain offenses, your body's literally torn apart. How horrible. Mm-hmm. We saw Eden and her boyfriend be drowned in that pool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these killings, they're all so, they're so public, and I think that is a, a part of the control, that when you see these these deaths, take place then you know in your mind okay that could be me you know that's a really good point because that kind of goes back to what you and I were just talking about a couple days it does go down to survival of the fittest it really does I think you Mm -hmm. brought up a really good point do I sacrifice one person for my whole family yes or do I what do I do? Or do I save my daughter? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the conversation that we have, when it does come down to these just absolutely horrific things, even though deep down you know, even though deep down that you know what should be done, we are human. It is human nature. You're faced with these horrible right. choices. Right. And that's a that's part of the, the psychological warfare mm-hmm. that goes into this. Well, and it's also also in season two, the same situation, and I cannot think of the couple. He took her in. They were married. They had a child. They, Omar, I think his name was. He took her in. This is when after um, she was on the uh, on the plane, and I think the plane went down. Yeah, June. Season June, June our June. main character. Yes, yeah, our main character. When and she so, first got away. Right, and he mm-hmm. was the driver. Mm-hmm. And so Omar took her in, and he knew that it was absolutely putting his whole family at risk. Yes. But knew that it was the right thing to do. It was the good thing to do. Mm-hmm. But put his family at risk. When he brought her home, the wife, the same thing. And then, of course, Handmaid's Tale being Handmaid's Tale, they were punished for it. And they yes. were caught. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he ended up on the wall. Mm-hmm. Did they show what happened to the wife? She became a handmaid and they took the child away. Right. Exactly. 
So just how horrible, the ultimate sacrifice mm-hmm. from, from helping someone. Right. But in the, on the flip side of that, there's beauty in that it tells you even under these horrific, inhumane circumstances that some people are just so good, mm-hmm. more good than bad, mm-hmm. that even under those circumstances, they will risk their own life to save another. Which we really saw in season three with the Marthas. Yes. That was, I felt like, in fact, I'm I'm going to go back and watch season three just because of that. You know, like you and I were talking about, there was so much also going on in season three that the Martha uh, resistance, they really were the ones, the resistance. It wasn't the other handmaids. At least that's what I got out of it. Mm -hmm. That's who were the ones that started the resistance and started the May Day Maydays, where I kind of felt like it was handmaids that had done that. Did you get that feeling? No, I really no? got the feeling that the Marthas were the the ones that, mostly behind. Me too. Yeah, me too. the Marthas. Whereas at the beginning, I thought it was the handmaids. Yeah, but but it would be the Marthas if you think about it, because they really had the most freedom to come and go than anybody else. Yeah, the absolutely. Freedom to go into the homes, mm-hmm. uh, the freedom to go to the shopping. The and different parts out. of town that you see mm-hmm. in season three when June is in um, her new placement with the Lawrences, and then she goes into town when they're trying to move the one Martha mm-hmm. who um, is the science-slash-bomb expert that they're trying to save her and get her from one point to another. And you see kind of a little bit how things work, like, more in the city and town. I thought that was really interesting. But I guess we should go to, although you probably got a lot of really good notes um, about season two, but I guess we should talk about the big ending finale of season two. That's what I wanted to get to. That was so frustrating for so yes. many people. Because a big a big part of season two was of, of course the fact that, you know, our heroine, our lead character mm-hmm. June, uh, becomes pregnant by Nick and has the baby. We see everything and, and for several episodes she's free. She's out on the lamp. It kind of shows you how difficult it is to be like quote unquote free and unprotected Mm -hmm. and how that brings its own set of uh, challenges shall we say so she gives birth to the baby eventually um, ends up back at the Waterfords and Serena basically takes over the baby yada 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 and they get to the end where uh, the Marthas once again stepped up Mm -hmm. to help June say you know we can get your, your baby out and she has an opportunity to leave with the other handmaid, Emily, with the help of uh, Commander Lawrence, and she stays behind. And at first, I was so angry and so frustrated by that. But, of course, she had to have stayed because, number one, for plot line's sake, mm-hmm. she had to still be in Gilead, of course. And second of all, even within the storylines, she could not leave Hannah she could not leave her firstborn child who's still in Gilead, mm-hmm. even though she could have been free with new baby Nicole. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, uh, you went nuts, Jeannie, literally. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. I, it took me days to recover. Yeah. It did. It took me days because I thought, well, and I think part of it, the reason why, is because I know that you and I were looking so forward to the next season really totally being about uh, in Canada, 
yeah. and the resistant resistance in Canada. So I just couldn't get past what? What do you mean you didn't leave? You you can leave and you still can work behind the scenes to try to get Hannah out. But watching the third season, it did make sense. Yeah. But I couldn't believe it. I was stunned by it. Stunned that she did not get on. I think I even screamed out loud. Yeah, I think you did. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing at the end of season two, it left us once again with so many questions like, well, what's going to happen? How can June possibly go back to the Waterfords with what's happened? And the baby's gone. What does this mean for <clears throat> Fred and Serena Joy? And we were kind of, I felt like, in leading up to season three, it was supposed to be about the resistance. And I think season three almost lost me. And it lost one of our... <laughs> One of our threesome here, one of the three handmaids, musketeers. Yeah, she's supposed to be coming in to join us. But one of the three of us who love the show totally gave up on the on the show this season and season three because there was so much buildup that it was about the resistance. And really, it was, but I had been thinking, and I don't know if you had felt like this, that we were going to see more of the resistance as a whole, mm -hmm. not just June's machinations, but that we were going to see who are these underground people that are making up the resistance. And I have to say that was so disappointing in this season. There were so many times during this season where I'm like, has the show jumped the shark? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's too soon for a show this good to jump the shark. But there were serious moments when I felt like that. I did too. I did too. And I, I, I thought to myself, and so I guess we should say our famous thing that yes, the show is not based in is not based in reality, obviously. But both Tan and I felt that the first season was very relatable because Mar because Margaret Atwood had said when she wrote the book, everything that was in that book was true. That it yeah. was something that it had happened to women or happened to society throughout Somewhere in the time, world. Somewhere mm -hmm. in the world throughout time. And if you listen to that remark and you really think about it and you read that book or watch the show, you say yes. So that seemed, as strange as it sounds, it seems like this is believable where I know you and I were both saying with the third season, you know, yeah. up until, like, what, the last three episodes, you and I would say June would have been on the wall. Yes. There is no way the commanders would have allowed her to do that. There's yeah. no way that, you know, but it is a show, and it does have to continue. But I think the last three episodes pulled that together. Yeah, I think, I, really I, I think the finale especially redeemed itself because there were parts of season three that I was like, I'm over Joan. I do not like Joan, June, excuse me, June. There were points where I was like, I do not agree with any of the decisions she's making. I don't understand. She's turning cruel. You could almost see some of the same cruelty in her that you saw in uh, the Gilead leaders. And it's like, I don't understand this. She's supposed to be, she's our protagonist. She's right. our heroine. And she's doing these awful, ugly things 
that make you not like her. And I think toward the end, especially in the finale, you get this aha moment that, okay, this makes sense because in order to fight the evil and the cruelty, you almost have to become it to fight it. Yeah, you have to become desensitized. I One of the things that I did not care for was the way that she treated her walking partner, the one that was was shot. Yes. And I can't remember her name, and she was pregnant. Yeah. Which, number one, that would have never happened. Yes. They would have never shopped, shot a pregnant handmaid. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but anyways, so I didn't like the way that June treated her. Um, she had absolutely no empathy for her. None. Whatsoever. And I thought that with her sitting that whole time and I know that she was made to sit the whole time until she delivered the baby because she was in a coma in in the hospital for a whole episode I was not a big fan of that episode I wasn't either I thought that that just went on and on Mm -hmm. but then again in reality it would have been a couple of months before you know the baby was old enough to have been born Mm -hmm. So it kind of spoke to that. But, yeah, that whole episode where she was just in the in the hospital with the basically brain-dead mm-hmm. handmaid that mm-hmm. they were just keeping alive to as an incubator for right. the baby, basically, right. that, was, that was hard to watch. There was a couple of, of episodes this season where I just, I wasn't loving it. I wasn't into it. And, and even the Canadian episodes were disappointing to me because they show – Um, A couple of episodes where Emily, who had escaped with baby Nicole and went to Canada, I like that they showed the reality that reunification with those old relationships aren't always going to work. That was good. That was an excellent line. Now, that was realistic. Yes, that was excellent. And every time Emily comes on the screen, she's my favorite. I, I absolutely love any type of story. Yeah, they way should have should be utilizing her more. And then I also had read, and I thought this was interesting, or maybe it was behind um, behind the scenes that when Emily came and she came to the hospital, that that was when everybody started clapping for her. Yeah, that when she arrived extras. with the baby, yes, that was not in the script. The extra, yeah, that was that, spontaneous, and they kept, and they kept it. So yeah. to me, that just showed even people that were acting on the set how affected that they were by that. Yeah, but why wouldn't you be affected by it? Because as we say almost every day as I come marching into Jatan's office every morning. Um, this is happening yeah. every day. This and is, there I were mean, there are parts yeah. that is happening in this mm-hmm. show that is happening every day to women and it is happening in our own country. Yeah. Unfortunately, because especially when season three started, I think was it season three or was it in season two where we became aware of what was going on on the Mexican border and what yes. the basically call them concentration yes. camps. Yes. yes. And Absolutely. that kind of paralleled what was going on in The Handmaid's Tale. And it's the, the show's just a big old cautionary tale mm-hmm. of what happens when enough people don't speak up. And I think that was even probably one of June's lines maybe in season one uh, or season two where they show a little bit more because you just get glimpses every now and again of what happened 
leading up to Gilead. And I believe that, that was one comment that she made that this can happen mm-hmm. when basically when enough people just it's it was a slow moving coup mm-hmm. to where it's like you could kind of see it coming. But but then part of you is like, no, this isn't happening in our country. And I feel that way literally now when I see the things that are going on. It's like, is this America? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I have that same feeling like, is this really going on? And what do we or can we do about it? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's it's the same thing. And those are the, the chilling parallels that happen with the show. It's almost as if it is so unbelievable that this is happening in our country and so fast. That's the thing about it. The swift decline mm-hmm. of our decorum. Mm-hmm. It's frightening. It, it, it's frightening. And I know we mentioned this a little bit earlier. So what is going to happen? Do Who is going to look away and say, thank God it's not happening to me? Which is happening now. Right. Thank God it's not affecting me um, right at the moment. So, once again, kind of survival of the fittest. Yeah. It's just, I'm absolutely stunned by it. Yeah. I'm stunned by it. Because I think for some reason, and um, I've talked about this with some of my fellow uh, black guests that I have and, and regular commentators that I have on the show, And, you know, of course, we look at things through the prism of being people of color Mm -hmm. and how uh, sometimes, you know, we criticize uh, fellow blacks as thinking we're not doing enough. We're not fighting back enough. And we have this mentality. And I don't even know where it came from as my four and no more kind of meaning if if myself and my little family nucleus is okay if whatever craziness is going on in the world it's not yet directly affecting me on a personal day-to-day level then I can kind of turn a blind eye and like well at least that's not me mm-hmm. and yeah that's exactly you with said any way n- better than I with know. any exactly number of I different causes that are going on and it's like we're kind of sitting by and letting this happen and not trying to get like too politically preachy. But when we look about what's happening with 45, who I I hate to even say his name and acknowledge him, his existence, but he has taken over an entire, pretty much an entire political party who they make excuse. They either turn a blind eye and act like it doesn't, it's not happening or they make excuses for his absolutely horrible behavior. The incendiary comments, the the dog whistles, the outright racist things, and this individual that, you know, is accused by, what, 19 women of sexual assault, basically. And we have this person, and that, you know, pretty much a whole party is letting this go. And then you look at that and you think, this is how a Nazi Germany can happen. Right, right. My mom um, came up, had, we talked about this a, a while ago, and I thought it wasn't, she brought up an excellent point. That our, I learned a little bit in school, 
but I couldn't quote it exactly what happened with the Japanese internment. You know, we t definitely talked more about what had happened with the Holocaust, et cetera, et cetera. But basically what my mother was getting at is that our this generation, my generation and the generation that's coming up, they aren't getting the history of the horrificness. No, of it we're just happened. far enough removed yes, from it to where removed. we're desensitized to it. Absolutely. And so I, I think maybe that's part of it. You're far enough removed that you can't really believe it's happening. And thank God it's not happening to me. Exactly. I, I don't know. And I'm so excited, you guys, because we are joined by our third party. Shannon Erdman is in the building. Shannon, come on over. Hopefully, I'm not going to have too much mic noise because I am having to move and share this microphone with Shannon that I'm going to be passing to her. But we absolutely had to get your feelings about season three. And we kind of shared a little bit that you, in all honesty, have kind of given up on the show because season three, you can say, has been a letdown for a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons. And for you, it comes down to one person, <laughs> Nick. The absence of Nick and what the heck? That was the biggest cliffhanger of, of season three is like you kind of have this reveal about him, but you're like, okay, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? And then you do not see him anymore for the rest of the entire season. Which was so odd because he played such a pivotal role in season two. So, Shannon, I'm going to pass the mic to you, and I just want to get your general thoughts about season three, why you kind of had to somewhat give up on it. Um, I'll be interested to know, because I don't think I've asked you this yet, if you watched the finale, because I had encouraged you that if you hadn't watched any of the other episodes to watch the finale, because it kind of makes things make sense, but still no Nick. So is it possible that we can get you back on the Handmaid's Tale train or not? Just give me your overall thoughts about of the portion of season three that you watched. What were your thoughts? Well, I don't know if I will get back onto the train again. I have not watched the season finale, but I probably will because Jatan recommended it. I just I just felt kind of disappointed in the whole season. I thought it was really going to be about the rebellion. I thought we were going to see more people involved in the rebellion, like other people like, I don't know, maybe out in the woods or someone close to the border of Canada and New York. And of course, Nick was not even on there at all. You're right. They show that one little snippet and and that's it. And their relationship and what he's doing, like now we don't know, is he part of the rebellion or is he one that started all of this? So I'm just I'm just kind of disappointed and I'm just kind of done with it. But I will watch the season finale. And I think this the, and I think the episode before the season finale, too, that really redeemed it. But as much as it redeemed it, you'll have to remind me. What was it about? Because there was so much that went on in season three. Because I remember you saying to me when I walked by, yeah. Jeannie, did you watch it? Because that that's going to bring you back on board. You know what? I'm drawing a blank, too. You guys, I'm, I'm blaming it on menopause. Okay. Everything okay. That, that's happening that's to my brain. That's where, like, the commander, Chris Maloney's character, was killed. 
by June. Because, you know, Jatan has told me things that have happened because she's, pro- she's pretty much my go-to. But I, I don't know. Maybe I'll watch it. I don't know. I can't remember because was it that episode where uh, Winslow, the icky commander Winslow that we meet from Washington who comes to um, yes. the yes, Waterford? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. where it's he's killed. To, you are right. It's when she went back to the... Jezebel's uh, yes. is what it's called. She went back to Jezebel. That's mm-hmm. right. And mm-hmm. then also, too, that was the episode that it really played the importance of how much the Marthas yeah. were involved in the resistance everywhere. And, like, in some ways, how much power they have. Oh, gosh, yes. Because even when they got wind of June's plot to to get these children out of Gilead and into Canada, how it was up to them to say whether or not this was going to go or not because it was the Marthas that had to be the ones to get the kids out of these houses. Right. They were the ones that, that took care of them. So yeah. Had them all the time. So are the ants like, you know, Aunt Lydia's just pissy since she was almost murdered by Emily. Yes. But are they part of a resistance or anything? Like I said, I have not watched it. I gave up on it. Not really. Not really. And Lydia's character, I felt in the third season, was all over the place. Yeah. I, I felt like she was not consistent at all. When she, when Emily beat her up, that really rattled her. And it mm-hmm. took her quite a long time to get back in the groove. Uh, and then when she attacked Janine at the christening, and that I, that just showed her, you have really lost it. You've really lost control. But another thing that we really haven't talked about, too, is which I was really looking forward to, was Serena's character. But I felt like in season three, that was all over the place, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a, that was kind of, thank you so much for joining us, Shannon. <laughs> and we are going to get you back into Handmaid's Tale no matter what. Yes. <laughs> She's looking at us skeptically. There is email. We, so there's email. We can get a hold of you. So yes, we know where to find you. Yes. If Nick comes back, <laughs> I'll watch it. I think Nick is going to come back I because it's set up now to where the resistance is at the point where the military people, like what Nick is obviously, is going to have to step in to try to do something. So I think it's kind of set up to where we should see Nick next season. I just hope he's not in control of the Gilead. Yeah, we hope he's not. We hope he's not a bad guy at this point that's still up in the air. But back to these different characters, some of them, and that's that's a good thing to say about season three as a whole, I feel like a lot of our characters were all over the place where you think you know them by now. You think you know what they're going to do. You think you kind of know why they do what they do. And still they, you know, flip the script on you. And Serena Joy was one of them to where you think, oh, she has humanity. She let Nicole escape and go to Canada. And then she takes all these steps with Fred to try to get her back up including betraying her husband to right. get them both to Canada. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and like you said about um, Aunt Lydia, there all through all three seasons, there have been moments where you can see almost these tender moments and you think, you know, she has this affection toward these handma- handmaids, toward these women. And then she flips and does something horrible mm-hmm. To where I still don't feel like I know her and know who she no, is. No, and there were some absolutely key things that she did that you just said, 
you know, that humanized her towards these women as if she was very concerned when yeah. Emily went with Commander Lawrence and said, is everything okay in this household, dear? Yeah. So are, are you safe in this household? Are you, you know, are you okay? But in, in thinking about that, do you think she was really as concerned about June's safety as, because obviously in the background there's been some doubts and some questioning as to who Lawrence was, mm -hmm. because for example, none of his handmaids had ever gotten pregnant. And I think there were people in the higher ups that were kind of questioning him and his loyalty anyway. So I wonder if she was wondering if, okay, she already knew that June was kind of this troublemaker, this rabble rouser. And was she getting with another troublemaking rabble rouser to where they're going to make trouble together? So I wonder if, if that was the case or if she was concerned about her well-being. Yeah, it was. Season three was so hard. And then here's another thing, too, that I caught the second time that I watched it. The, the family that they introduced that had all the children. Yeah, the, the Winslows. Uh, yeah, the Winslows. And did you catch all the different ethnicities of the children? Yeah, so obviously he was impregnating. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they had children. Or I guess he could have had handmaids of different ethnicities well, as well. Well, that's true. That's so they could point. have been but biracial. Don't but... but don't, I, I got the impression, and maybe I'm wrong on that, that if your handmaid was successful, you kept that handmaid. Maybe not. I don't, I'm not sure. Because we saw with Janine, well, mm -hmm. bless Janine's little heart, that she begged and wanted to go back to her household. But I think it might have been different for her because, first of all, she had an inappropriate, intimate relationship with her commander. So that would have been a no-no with that wife. And, and you know, Janine's a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yes, yes. So maybe that's why she couldn't stay in her placement. That could be. You know what? You're probably, that's probably more it. I bet that you had a handmaid, was very successful in this family, was able to have a child in this family. So we're going to move her to a different family to make sure to keep that population going. Yeah. That makes more sense. But yet when I watched I thought, you have seven children and they're all biracial. Not a one is you could do. <laughs> but now I don't even think biracial because they showed know, this one little darling little black girl that looked 100% yes, black. Yes, and, I, yeah, and I think that they had a child that was Asian and a lot. Yeah. A lot of children. I was really kind of surprised at how quickly they killed Winslow off. He was such an awful character. He was bringing in... Uh, or trying to bring in his brand of Gilead from Washington to their area, including putting rings in the lips of of the handmaids. Was that not a that, chilling moment? That was so chilling. When June was visiting the Winslows with the Waterfords in their attempt to try to, to get the big wigs in Washington to work with Canada to get Nicole back and they're in the Winslow's house and she goes to try to speak to their handmaid mm -hmm. and the handmaid is not speaking and then when the handmaid looks up she sees this ring that's been put through both of her lips to silence her mm -hmm. and apparently that is up to discretion because did you remember in one of the episodes Serena said to June I should have put had them put a ring in your mouth yeah. So that told me that that was up that to... That they were aware of it. Mm -hmm. And either we're going to do it or we're not, and they've chosen. And that was the one thing 
that I also got out of season three is that uh, Serena and Fred, they thought that they were so kind and so wonderful and so giving. But maybe it's because the back. they oh. knew that, that there was this horrible side of Gilead that could be even worse. Right. Exactly. Serena's character was all over the place. She was. And it's like when she has basically left Fred Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the season, which really this whole entire season, their marriage was pretty much toast. Well, like I said, he should have never. But when they show that cold ice maiden of a mother of hers, then you kind of get an idea like, okay, I can kind of see where that, that coldness, that rigidity comes from Mm -hmm. but even still it still didn't like make you understand serena's choices even still even after you meet her mother and Mm -hmm. see how cold she is and how she's 100 Mm percent has uh drank the kool-aid of gilead as well so you still it still doesn't give you enough information to figure out okay who is serena but ultimately she proves to be just self-serving. Yes, you know, and, and and ultimate, she did get what she deserved. I mean, the bottom line is she did participate in rape. She did participate in trafficking. I mean, as much as she could feel like she could, this is kind of how I, I felt, that her and Fred felt like they were so magnanimous and look how great we treat you and look how wonderful we are. But unless you step up, unless you defy them any other way, then that cruelty was just. Yeah, it was there and it was immediate. Right. Now, as we wrap up, because, you know, we could like talk about yes. Handmaid's Tale for hours. Absolutely. Especially since. And about hours. Yes, we do have to mention that. And we'll mention that. But first, what do you want to see in season four? What's going to make season four say that the show has not in fact jumped the shark and that you're all in 100% again. What do you want to see and versus what you think we'll actually see? Well, I definitely want to see more of Gilead, which I know that you and I talked about that. Are we going to see more of areas of the different and, and how their handmaids are being treated? Because like I said, I think there's a little bit of discretion. You could be extremely horrific to them or not. Uh, I'm not I'm not so. I'm, I'm a little over Luke. I am too. That's uh, you know, a, yet another Emily, character that was kind of all over I'm the not place. Sure why? I'm a little bit more interested in the Nick than I. I I'm like with Shannon, more interested yeah. in what's going on with Nick. Uh, I'm definitely more. I'm definitely interested to see how Emily and her wife if that is going to make it or not, because I thought Moore's line was fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes there's not a happy ending. Because she's also, married to another woman. Right, so right. like, And also, too, and I know you and I talked about this, but really, really quickly, I'm very interested to see what the uh, what's going to happen with the children, because you are taking children away from probably Martha's that they loved. Yes. And you're taking these children away, and, and not every child is going to be reunited with their parent. No, like they're not. No, absolutely so not. that's going to be interesting. Because, like I said, number one, these kids have been in Gilead long enough to be completely indoctrinated. Number two, they've always kind of alluded to the fact, even with the creepy Winslow family, they were wonderful to the children. Yes. And I think the commanders and the wives they've shown are 
actually good parents, if I can even dare say that. They treat treat the children in their home so well Mm -hmm. that these kids love them. They don't see or are probably aware of the ugly reality Mm -hmm. of what these people do. They just see the kindness and love and how they were cared for, like you said, by the Marthas and Mm -hmm. probably even the handmaids that have been so kind to them, which are some of their mothers. Um, So, right, like what's going to happen to these children in Canada who are not unified? And God bless Canada in this show because they are inundated. And you think at one point, are they going to go to war against Gilead? Or are they going to turn on their new immigrants at some point? Because you can, you kind of got the picture that they're overwhelmed. Their social services are overwhelmed with all these Americans and, and ex-Gilead people that are coming across the border. When is it going to get to be too much to where the resources are so drained in Canada to where are they going to start sending people back, for example? At some point, are they going to want to begin to trade with Gilead? Right. Even though at this point, Gilead's kind of falling apart from within. So that's going to be interesting. I, yeah, I, it's just so, and I, I, and I know, I don't know if other people feel this way, but I'm sure people that love The Handmaid's Tale probably feel exactly as you and I. We are watching history happen. Yes, we, we are. are. watching history happen. Yeah. How it happened and how it's happening now. Right. So, yes, I, that's an excellent point about Canada. Are you? Are they going to have to say, you, you know. No more? Are they going to have to start turning away people mm-hmm. at the border? And then what happens to those people? And then if you're not turning away people at the border, are they going to have to start, you know, you need to live here. This is how you need to live. Um, yeah. So, I, I, hey, you know how I feel about this. I feel like it should be shown in school. Yeah. I do. It absolutely should. So, because, yeah, because we keep saying it's a cautionary tale, which mm-hmm. it is because it's actually happening. So, yeah, I kind of want to see what these relationships are going to be like with other countries in their dealings with Gilead. And we absolutely have to see what is going on with Nick. Mm-hmm. That was one of the biggest and that was a midseason cliffhanger. Like you, you kind of give the impression that he's the leader of, of Gilead's military right. and and that he's kind of been behind it and you're like well how was that when he was like the waterford's flunky driver so there were some confusing things about that so we definitely have to see what's going on with nick i want to see more about the fight and i want to see more of the resistance other than just june Mm -hmm. so hopefully we'll see that in season four we don't know as usual we're beyond the original book, so we have no clue what to uh, really expect or what we'll see. But I think we need to see some more character development. I think we need to um, we need to see more because mm-hmm. they really did almost lose me this season. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm still such a believer in the show, and, and I love it because it's still it's still a quality show. It's it, like it one is. of the best shows out there, regardless as to what you think it of is. it. And do you think too, Jatan, that even though it both you and I had said this, you know, I, I'm not doing this anymore. I can't. This is just so unbelievable. But this is my personal opinion. I think one of the reasons why I stuck with it is because 
it's so correlating what's happening today. Yeah. And that is why, and I know you had asked me, what was your reaction in on the la- on May Day? Um, and I said I cried. Yeah. And I didn't cry necessarily because of what happened to June. Yeah. I didn't cry necessarily because of the children. I didn't cry this. I cried because I thought this is truly happening in our world right and now. And it also makes you wonder because we know we're going to have to wait another year before we see a new season. And I wonder if what's going to end up happening with the 2020 election Mm -hmm. and how that looks like it's going to go, how that's going to affect the writing for the season, because they do try to somewhat stick to uh, things that are going on actually now in the world. So I wonder how much uh, the politics of today and the months to come are going to shape the season as well. And finally, Give us information about the book. Of course, the legendary author, Margaret Atwood, is the author of the original book. This is all based on The Handmaid's Tale. And she's got a brand new book. And take it away, Jeannie. What's the name of the book? The name of the book is Irreverent. And it's either going to be out September I thought it was The Testaments. You're right. So I'm already wrong. You know what? You're going to have to get up and Google this right now. (laughs) It is. It's a testament. But you know what I had said to Jatan, and I I caught this right away, whether I just felt like I was reading something into it. It's green. Yeah. The cover is green. The the woman that's on the cover of it is green, which I think is very interesting. Yeah. But we also saw a lot of green in the last second, or yeah, the second season and the third season, which I which I think you and I both decided that meant growth. That yeah. meant newness. So change, yeah. Change. Mm-hmm. And it's either out September 9th or September 19th. Okay. I, I can't wait. I cannot wait. And it, yes, and, and Margaret Atwood is on a world tour. Yes, we've, I've already looked that up. Where can we find her? We need to get her uh, autograph, but now it looks like she's really going to be more over in Europe. So, Which is like a bummer because yes. the show and the book are so popular in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So I think at some point she's going to have to, you know, jump and cross the pond. Mm-hmm. To come and see us because we're all such lovers. But I will definitely be buying the book. Oh, I can't wait. And because we don't know where the book is going to pick up. Is it no. going to be something like totally different that's even different from seasons mm-hmm. two and three? So we've got a yeah. lot to look forward we to. Do. So I just encourage everyone out there who's listening to this podcast episode. If you have never watched any of the seasons, please do so. You will thank us because it is so relevant to what is going on today um if you've been a watcher like us and kind of got a little like i don't know disappointed a little disgruntled with this latest season i say give it another season and it's and it has officially been okayed for season four so i say stick with it because if you started this this journey you have to see where the journey ends so we'll be looking forward to that we'll be looking forward to the book and maybe once we get the book and read it we'll come on and we'll do a podcast episode about the book give us something to talk about as we anticipate and wait for season four so we will do that that's a plan so Jeannie thank you as always (laughs) for being such a great contributor to the podcast and and uh, we'll have you on to talk about other things. We, I've already mentioned before that you have a, an O.J. Simpson obsession. Yes. And now you have a new obsession. Yes, with Chris Watts. Which is a murder case where a man killed his pregnant wife and his two daughters. 
I think, was it two daughters or was two it even more? Yes, so, girls. yeah. So that's something horrible to, it, it is, <laughs> to it, discuss. It is. It's horrible. But I, I feel like it just is such a horrible thing on so many levels. But I feel like with the O.J. Simpson and I feel like with this, there's so much that happens behind closed doors. Yeah, there's so much to unpack in this because, you know, I guess the rational mind says if you're that unhappy, just get a darn divorce and everybody goes their separate ways and at least everybody lives. So I don't understand this concept of, of I, killing them. I don't either. Other than, I guess we could get really, really deep into this. Other than it, it, it seems as if right now in our society, violence is the answer to everything. Because everybody's angry. Yes, it's the answer everybody's to everything. Everybody's in a rage. Yes. And and, why and, and they, this impulsivity. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I was just going to say that, you know, so why take the time to, you know, figure this out or figure this out? Or it's just so much easier just to, you know, be violent. But also, too, which I'm a firm believer about that, too. And like I had said about, like I said, um, I'm sorry. But if the end of something is going to culminate in something that violent, such as a, as a death, there's no way that there was violence that was not happening before. That. Yeah. Very rarely is that the very first time yeah. that someone has laid their well, hand Well, we on know someone. that from working with so uh, violence victims. I'm kind of mm-hmm. fascinated by that. What happened in both of those cases that led up to, I, I just find it very hard to believe, just all of a sudden you're going to be that violent. Yeah. So once again, we could do a whole school of thought of that. There it comes back to, you know, understanding domestic yeah. violence and red flags. And, you know, so we could do a whole podcast on that, right? Hey, we're going to have to visit that, and I'll do some research, too. But thanks again for joining us. To all of our listeners, we want to know what you guys think about The Handmaid's Tale, and especially this this season, because it was so up and down for me. So please... Um, give us your opinion. Give us a comment at the website, GetHappyWithJay.com. Also, the Facebook page, Get Happy with Jay. We want to hear from you and let us know what you think. Are you hanging in there? Were you happy about the season? Because I know in social media, I saw a lot of people that thought this season was great. And I'm like, well, were we watching the same season? But there were some parts of it that were great. So we want to hear from you guys what you think. Are, are there any other shows, movies, books that you would like us to check out and review? Because we will definitely do that for you. We love that. There's just so many things that I watch and and love and, and don't love that I would also like to comment on. So that's something that we should think about as well. So thanks to our guests today. Thanks to all of you for always listening. And as I say every week, until next week, until we meet again, do something to make yourself happy. It's not selfish, it's self-care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.